0: Join me in prayer. Father, change us to be more like your son, Jesus. Help us to live out that love which comes from you and you alone. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hi, everyone. Good to have you all here, as well as those of you at the 11, our high and middle students, folks at home online. Thanks for watching us. How many of you have read this list of love here in First Corinthians 13 and said, yep, I failed at that, and I failed at that one, and I failed at that. Sometimes this list of love becomes a list of failures for us. Let me start off by saying that you are not alone. That whether you failed in relationships, failed in your school, in your family, in your workplace, failed with addictions, you are not alone. We all experience train wrecks when it comes to loving God and loving others. Now, disclaimer here, I've gotten permission from my wife to share some stories, so we're good to go. (laughs) Now, what you're looking at is my wedding picture, okay? At the time, I was in seminary preparing to be a pastor, both of us looking forward to serving God and in the church. We held two different ceremonies. One was an American-style wedding, and the other one was a Korean-traditional wedding. It was pretty cool to have both. And then we went to Aruba uh, for our honeymoon, probably one of the most beautiful destinations on earth. A wonderful start to a lifelong journey of love, right? Wrong! (laughs) Parts of our honeymoon were a train wreck. You'll hear more about that later. Now, first of all, we were on a tight budget. I budgeted out specifically for everything. Mind you, I did this budgeting alone without the input of my wife. Yep, great way to start off your marriage, right? Now, we got to the island. One of the things on our agenda was to purchase gifts for the family. Now, let me set this up. Now, my wife was born in Seoul, Korea. She came over to the U.S. when she was 13. Her culture and my culture were very different I was born and raised in Texas. My first words were y'all and barbecue. (laughs) Now, even though we were a Korean American couple, for her, Korean tradition says that we purchase the best gifts for the family, for each member of our family, especially our parents. We honor them with our gifts. That means her parents, her four siblings, my parents plus my younger sister would all receive gifts. And of course, I would try to buy something nice for my wife. So that was a, that would be a total of ten gifts. That's totally fine with that. So we went shopping together. We hit the first souvenir store, and I immediately saw a box of t-shirts, probably the best quality t-shirts I've ever seen. They were tie-dye-ish. They had spray-painted Aruba on it. And yeah, the t-shirts were probably the thinnest polyester t-shirts I've ever seen. But you got to remember, we're on a hot and humid island. Thin does not really matter. Thickness does not really matter. And the best part of all, you could get a dozen t-shirts, get this, 12 of them for a total of 10 bucks. Are you kidding me? I merely pulled my wife aside and I told her I found the deal of a lifetime. I mean, we could have knocked out our whole shopping time to 10 minutes. That had to be a world record somewhere. Done deal. But she did not like my gift ideas. So for the next two hours, we walked up and down the shopping street looking for gifts. Now for her, individual gifts were thoughtful and had more meaning And for me, I was just looking for the best and cheapest deal. Throughout the whole experience, I was constantly saying to her, are we done yet? I would say, we just passed a beautiful box of t-shirts back there. You could have gotten for $10. And she would point out a gift that she likes, and I would say, that's too expensive. And to be honest, I was a jerk. I was rude. I was insensitive. I ignored her feelings. I was disrespectful to her. I ignored her culture, which is mind-blowing because we're both Korean. I was just terrible. On her honeymoon of all places. So you're not alone. We all wreck relationships when we fail to love God's way. So in 1 Corinthians thirteen 5, we're gonna look at four ways we do that. Verse five says, love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Let's take a look at the first way we wreck relationships. We wreck relationships when we dishonor others. Love does not dishonor others. Literally, it means does not act inappropriately. It does not act rude. I like this definition the best. Love is not rude. Rudeness can take on many forms. It is defined as a display of disrespect, a breaking of social norms or expectations, having bad manners, or ignoring accepted behavior. The word accepted is important, right? Because rudeness can mean different things to different people and in different situations. For example, shouting and swearing might be considered normal when you're stuck in traffic on 405. But it would be regarded as wholly inappropriate as you drive your kid's soccer team to the game. There also can be cultural differences to consider. For example, in Korean culture, my culture, something as innocent as leaving your shoes on when you walk into someone's home is actually a no-no. So it's important to be aware of possible cultural faux pas, especially if you are in relationships with a diverse group of people. You see, being rude, dishonoring others, destroys love. I turned our honeymoon into a train wreck, But there are ways that you can honor others. Well, for one, you can put yourself in someone else's shoes. It's called empathy. When you do this, you consider their feelings, their situation, their desires, their intentions. You try to understand them from their point of view and not your own. And you will better understand the needs of those around you. It's not easy, but there are practical ways you can do that. You could become a better listener. Next time you're in a conversation, slow down. Force yourself to listen to the words that you're hearing. And consider the speaker's motivations. Pray and ask for God's help, for wisdom and understanding while you're in conversation. You can attend learning opportunities. Go to the Frames and Filter workshop with Tally Harrison on May 19th here in the community center. The workshop is designed to help you understand your own frames as you see life through and understand filters from different cultural perspectives. And lastly, you could take a discipleship class we have here called Perspectives on the World Christian Movement. This, this, this fall class, discipleship class, opens the doorway to other cultures and helps you understand the different lenses we see through and how the gospel of Jesus has moved throughout the world. There is no better discipleship class on understanding God's heart for the world than this one. Now let's take a look at the second way we wreck relationships. When we are self-seeking Love is not self-seeking. Literally, it means it does not seek the things of itself. Or it does not insist in its own way. Self-focus, which is the opposite of love, marked the Corinthian church. This was evident in the church's divisiveness regarding leadership. It's attitude toward Paul. It's attitude toward legal issues between Christians and it's attitude toward spiritual gifts. Paul wanted the Christians to stop focusing on their own needs and their own preferences and serve God and one another. Paul says it best here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you, in humility, be moved to treat one another as important, as more important than yourself. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests, but about the interests of others as well. Paul continues in the verses after and addresses the selfless actions of Christ as the ultimate example. Jesus' humiliation is the greatest expression of putting others' benefit above one's own. Take a look at this humorous video of what happens when you put your needs above others. Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. No, no but listen to me. Look it. If you do something, if you get that out, that bird thing off, you're gonna break it. Okay, but I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot... You know, Linda, no, Linda, I'm... Li- lick it, lick it. You're not listening to me. Linda, listen to me now. Lick it, lick listen, listen to me, listen, me now. To, listen to no, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes. And you try to get cupcakes and you try to ask Grandma. Linda. Didn't you? Linda, lick it. Lick it. Lick it. Ooh. I'm breaking, i are going to break everything down. I'm not breaking anything down. I'm just letting you know Linda, you cannot it, have it, cupcakes it, lick for lick dinner. It, Linda, Linda, like this thing, I never belong to you. Anything, you can't get anything and anything and anything. I'm done arguing with you. I'm done arguing with you. You need to listen to the things that I say because I'm the mom and I'm the dog. Linda, adult. lick it. Listen to me. love that video. When we insist on our own way, we see life through tunnel vision. And the only way to change that is to understand that true love is selfless. It leads us to sacrifice. We do that by, we do that by stop serving ourselves and instead serve others. Your homework for this week, in your workplace, in your schools, your sports teams, your friendships, your mom groups, find a need that someone else has and do it for them. It might mean that they need a child picked up or they're slammed at work because of deadlines. So you could take up one of those tasks. Make a meal, clean a mess, take someone out to coffee because they need a break. The only way you are going to live a selfless life is if you serve others. There is no way around it. How many of you watched the, winter, the recent Winter Olympics held in my parents' home country of Pyeongchang, South Korea? Wasn't it great? It's the stories of the athletes and how through struggle triumph, failure, and perseverance that make it so amazing. I love the story of Chloe Kim, a 17-year-old Korean American who won the gold medal in the women's halfpipe. Out of the many threads of her story being told, I love the story of her father, Jong Jin, and how he was given a chance to immigrate to California in 1982, where he worked minimum wage jobs to save up enough money for college, where after attending college, he worked as a machine operator. At an early age, Chloe took to snowboarding, and soon her father began to take take her to the mountains. She loved it so much that her dad began to see the potential of her success in snowboarding. He began to sacrifice his own time to drive her to the mountains, a six-hour drive from their home in Torrance to Mammoth Mountain. As Chloe's skills sharpened, Jongjin quit his job to focus on his daughter and her dreams. Like most immigrants, my parents included, who come to this country hoping for a better life, a life of opportunity, a future for their kids, Zhongjin sacrificed for his daughter's dreams. You see, when you love, you gladly sacrifice. So how do you avoid being a train wreck of a self-seeking life? You invest your life in others. In the workplace, you mentor, you take interest in helping those around you. If you're a parent, you build into the life of your children, of your family, and you spend quality time nurturing those relationships. If you're a student, you become a you. you, you look around those that do not have friendships, and you become a friend. Only by giving yourself to others can you avoid a self-seeking lifestyle. Now, the third way we wreck relationships is when we are easily angered. Now it's important to note that Paul isn't saying that anger itself is a sin. When Jesus cleared the temple of the money changers and animal sellers, he showed great emotion and anger. His anger was rooted in God's holiness and worship. Jesus also showed anger when he was in the synagogue of Capernaum. When the Pharisees refused to answer Jesus' question, he looked around them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Paul tells the Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 26, In your anger do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. The idea is not to avoid it, but to deal with it properly in a timely manner. We all express anger. It's one of those universal emotions. How do you express anger? Some people show their anger outwardly or inwardly. Which one are you? We show our anger through verbal bashing when we yell, argue, put down, and use threats. We use nonverbal bashing as well, whether it's pointing, clenched fists, flipping the bird, facial expressions like giving the evil eye, purposely ignoring or not speaking. Get this I knew someone, when he was mad at his wife, he would go weeks without saying a word to her. Isn't that crazy? There's passive aggressive anger that, that shows up like in sulking or pouting. Now my wife will tell you I'm a powder. And there are indirect verbal expressions like subtle sarcasm. Have you heard these before? You blank are all like or all alike. Blank blank. I was just kidding. You are just like your blank. Okay, I've got you all riled up. Let me pull you back in. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus teaches the parable of the lost son. What's interesting about this parable is the response from the lost son's older brother. The older brother works hard. He's honest. He's responsible. He's good with his finances. He's everything you want in a son. But when you, but when he heard that his young, that his loser brother came back and that his father threw him a party, he refused to go in. He was furious. And he let his dad have it. He criticized his brother's behavior, his lifestyle choices, and he said that he did right, everything right, in the eyes of his own father. He then criticized his father for not showing his love for him. The father responded to the older son and said, everything that he he has already belongs to him. And we have to celebrate because your younger brother was thought to be dead, but now alive. Was lost, but now found. Isn't it interesting that the older brother, who you would think because of his perfect life would be gracious and loving to his younger brother, but he wasn't. He was angry and furious. Anger has a way of revealing deeper layers of our heart. I believe anger reveals more of our lack of compassion, forgiveness, mercy, peace, and love. And this wrecks our relationship with God and with each other. Now the best way to deal with anger is, for, is to first identify whether you have an anger problem. This is a tough one. It's, it's a sensitive issue. You have to find someone you can trust, someone you can confide in, a mentor, a close friend, a family member, and you have to ask them, do I have anger issues? And if so, in what way? And then you have to ask God to change you And to help you deal with the anger that you struggle with. And you have to find accountability with someone. And if you need help, make an appointment to see a counselor. James chapter 1 verse 20 says, Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now the fourth way that we wreck relationships is when we keep a record of wrongs. The idea here is an accounting term of keeping debits and credits. Have you ever met someone who remembers everything that has happened in the past? Who can recall everything a person has done, remembers the date and time it happened, remembers how they felt, what was on TV at the time, what they ate, remembers every word that was said, every tone of the words that was said. I think it's explanatory. A a person like that holds you accountable to everything you've done wrong. And there's nothing that you can do right in their eyes because you're always reminded of your faults, This is the antithesis of love. I can honestly say that this one will wreck the relationships that you have. Now let's go back to my honeymoon story. Well, the week in Aruba was over and we're headed to the airport. We get to the airport and as we're getting ready to board the plane, we had to go through an exit line where we needed to pay an exit fee. I did not know that. The fee was about $50 for the both of us. Now, as I took out my wallet, I realized I had no cash. And I thought, oh boy, I need to find an ATM machine. I looked and looked and I couldn't find one anywhere. Well, I started to get upset. I started to think about our honeymoon and how my budget just flew out the window. All because my wife spent all the money we had on gifts. I was huffing and puffing and pretty much yelled, saying, this is all your fault. We cannot get off this hot and humid island. We can't even pay for the exit fee. Again, I said, this is all your fault. Now, I started to make exaggerations, which I'm known to do when I'm angry. So I say, now we have to go back to the hotel. We're already maxed out on our only credit card we have. We're going to have to get a job here. We're going to have to bust tables until we can pay our way off this island. Okay, I sound ridiculous. I admit that now. My wife just smiled at me the entire time, which made me even more angry. So we're stuck. Well, the entire time, we're stuck there the entire time as people are going through the exit line. And I'm getting desperate. So I come up with a plan. And I tell my wife, you and I are going to go beg someone for the $50 we need for the exit fee. And I told her, you're the one who has to beg. <laughs> this is your fault. You have to ask. So we walk up to this couple who look like they've, they're on their honeymoon. I mean, they could have been on the cover of Riding Groom magazine. They look so relaxed, so chill, so happy. Us, on the other hand, I'm a total wreck. I'm pulling my hair out of my head. And as soon as we get right in front of this beautiful couple, I notice that my wife is nowhere to be seen. Huh. She conveniently disappeared. So as a desperate man that I am, I say, excuse me, I'm so sorry, but there's no ATM machine anywhere and I have no cash on me. Then I began to throw my wife under the bus and tell the couple my sad story, how I, my wife spent all of our cash on gifts that were broke and have no way to get back to our home. And I asked the couple, is there any way that we could borrow $50, please? And if they would give me their address, I think they lived in Boston, I would send them the $50 when we get back to Dallas. The couple looked at me with pity in their eyes. And I'm pretty sure they were thinking that my wife and I had no chance in marriage. (laughs) Divorce was the fast ticket for us. So they gladly gave me $50. Even though I asked for their dress, they refused. And they said they were happy to help us. I think they probably thought that if they gave me their address, when my wife kicked me out of the house, (laughs) I might end up at their home. (laughs) So we made it on the plane. But we were so angry at each other. Get this, on our honeymoon plane ride back, as couples were holding hands, enjoying pina coladas, kissing each other, as they sat on the plane together, my wife and I refused to sit together. We rode on our honeymoon plane ride back in separate seats, aisles apart. Our honeymoon was a train wreck. And as I reflect back, I was rude, I was selfish, I was angry, and I kept a record of wrongs. I regret how I acted. Now that was 22 years ago and I still owe my wife a proper honeymoon. (laughs) My wife and I knew that if we didn't learn to love God's way, we would have never made it. It takes time to grow, to learn, to heal and to forgive. But no matter how many times we failed, the Bible over and over and over shows us that God loves us. He loves us even when we fail. I love what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. God loves you completely. All of our failures are never going to stop his love for us. And he gives us supernatural help to help to love others. Look at Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Praise be to to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You see, God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ to live a life of love. We've been given spiritual help from God to love supernaturally, to give ourselves completely to those we we are in relationships with. And that help comes from the Holy Spirit who indwells our hearts, who is our counselor and guides us in life. The Holy Spirit helps us st- to stop the cycle of brokenness and live life to the fullest pleasing God. That means that this list of what love is in 1 Corinthians is not something we should fear but see that it is possible to love and to live up to how Jesus wants us to love others. Jesus, help us to love your way and not ours. Help us to honor others, be selfless, to turn away from anger and to keep no record of wrongs. We pray this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.